Today's subject matter is intended for adults only. If you have kiddos nearby, you may want to listen to this episode at a later time. Well, I just want to say this. The definition of adultery is sexual activity with someone other than our spouse. I pause for effect on purpose to let that set in. I didn't misstate that at all. And I'll say it again. Adultery is defined as sexual activity with someone other than our spouse. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Yes, so good to have you guys with us today. Yes, it is. And uh, we are about to discuss a topic that is not real fun to talk about. No, it's pornography. Yes. And so we're going to talk about it today. But today's conversation on is pornography a big deal in our marriage is not meant to be exhaustive. Today, you and I, we're just going to talk about it, how it affected us. Right. It invaded our world, didn't it? It did. It invaded your world when you were a young boy. It did. It invaded my world when I was a young boy, and it stayed with me for my entire life. It was an intrigue that I couldn't get out of my mind, and it built up over time. And it affected my life early on in our marriage, and then periodically throughout our marriage, and especially when you revealed the extent of it four and a half years ago. So I just want to ask you, Emily, how do you feel about pornography? I hate pornography. I hate, hate, hate pornography. Uh, I hate the industry. I hate what it does to people. I hate what it does to families. Yes. And if I could just wave a wand and go poof and it's gone, man, I would love to do that. Right. Um, it's here in our world and we have to deal with it, which we can do in many different ways, but mainly through prayer. That's the biggest offensive we have against this industry of pornography. You're right. And I don't think that there's any way that we have any magic wand that we can wave that's going to make it go away. But dragging it out of the dark and bringing it into the light is one way that we can help the world. That's true. It is. With that in mind, here are some questions for us to ponder today. Here we go. If pornography is no big deal, why are so many marriages destroyed by it? If pornography is so harmless, why are so many people around the world hurt by it. If pornography is no big deal, then why do we hide it from our wives? 
And if pornography is harmless, why do we hide it from our children? Those are really good questions. And I have a question for our audience, too. How much do you know about porn in the pornography industry? Well, I didn't know much about it when I got married, and I didn't really want to. I thought it was something non-believers did. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to stay naive about this topic when you revealed to me mm-hmm. your pornography use, right? Right. And then that had escalated into extramarital relationships. Well, I got an education that I never wanted, but it has helped me to become more discerning and also empathetic to those who struggle with this destructive habitual sin. Yes. So you mentioned earlier when I asked you the question how you felt about pornography, and you answered that you absolutely hate pornography. Yes. And you just now touched on the idea that you're starting to feel a sense of compassion toward those who are caught up in it Mm -hmm. on on both sides of the equation, as we're going to talk about today, those who are viewing and those who are being viewed. Yes, I do. I mean, I used to be just so angry about the whole thing and really upset at people who viewed it, including you. Right. And it's very hurtful. You know, it's hurtful to be on the other end of a marriage where you're not being prioritized and these images are being viewed by your, your spouse. I did not have much empathy for either side back then, but walking through this journey with you, I have discovered that it is a sin like any other sin, right? We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Right. And it is something that is a trap of Satan. And I used to think that people could just stop. (laughs) I used to think in my head, just stop, you know, because I didn't struggle with that particular flavor of sin. I didn't understand how people could just continually do something that they didn't really want to do, and they just couldn't stop. Right. But I understand a whole lot more about it now, and I do have empathy for those struggling because it is it's such an all-consuming type of sin. It's in your body. It's in your mind. It's in your heart, and it's powerful. It's one of the things that God, even in the Bible, says all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. In recovery, we use the three words to describe it. It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Mm, Yeah, that's good. You hadn't told me that before. I like that. (laughs) There's probably going to be lots of things I just reveal over time. As long as you're still clean, I can handle that. Hey, my love, I got to assure you that I was clean yesterday. I am clean today. And by God's grace, I will be clean tomorrow. Thank you. That's your three-penny promise, which we'll talk about in another show, but I love hearing that. I'll never get tired of hearing that. So in order to maintain any connection to pornography and view it on a regular basis, there are going to be some lies involved. There are lies involved when you try to view it or you're trying to hide it. So today we're going to unpack a few of the lies that we tell ourselves when we're trying to justify the use of pornography and also just how harmful it is inside of our covenant marriages. Okay, good. But before we do that, Johnny, would you just open us up in prayer? Absolutely. Father, thank you for bringing us to this point today. It's not our intention to be heavy-hearted, but the topic that's at hand destroys so many lives as it tore our life apart. But by your grace and mercy, you have helped us, Lord, to put our life back together and given us not just a story to tell, but information that we can pass on because of our experience, because we chose, Father, each one of us, Emily and I, to lean into you 
to lean into your word, that we could find help, that we could find recovery, and that we can find empathy for those who are on both sides of the equation, whether they are viewing or being viewed. Help us today, Father, as we go through this topic. And for those who are listening, may you open up their ears and hearts to hear what is being said and to guard their heart so that they will find their rest and comfort and security in you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we have chosen four lies from a list of many that people believe when it comes to justifying pornography use. Yes, you're right. There are far too many lies for us to unpack in the context of our show. Unfortunately, that's true. So why don't you start us off with the first one? So the number one lie, not because it's more important than the others, but it's just number one in our sequence. And that lie is, it's just me. Nobody's getting hurt. So men, that's not exactly true. The truth is, it's not just us. There are other people involved. There are the people on the screen that we're viewing. And now if you're doing that, you are having an emotional relationship with them. One-sided for sure. It is. There's no way that they can relate back to you. The whole industry, as they film these things, they're putting out these pretend emotions Mm -hmm. so that you'll stay and watch more. What else is wrapped up in that lie? Yeah. So then once we've started viewing, we start to become preoccupied what we've seen and what we want to see again. But it doesn't meet your needs for long, does it? No, it doesn't. Because it's always escalating. With pornography, when you view it, you get this dopamine hit. Right. And that's a God-given chemical response in our bodies for experiencing pleasure. And you're getting this really intense dopamine hit. And then the next time you need something more. It's not as exciting as the first time you saw it. That's right. So you have to search for something that's even more stimulating. Yes, because you start to become desensitized to what you've already seen. And so that dopamine hit wants to be fed. Mm -hmm. So it's going to create in you a desire to go look again and look more. The danger that starts to occur is when we're preoccupied with it, then we start thinking about the images that we've seen, the people. But the more we think about it, preoccupation accelerates into fantasy. See, preoccupation is just thinking about the process and viewing Fantasy starts to become the point when you are placing yourself in it. Like you're starring in the movie? Right. Or you're starring with that person in the movie. You're placing yourself in the same situation that the male counterpart in the video is in and imagining if that could be you or what it would take to do that. Could I even do that? Those kind of things. You start to fantasize and then fantasy doesn't just stay small. It always gets bigger, and then it leads back around to preoccupation. So you're not just preoccupied by what you have seen on the screen. Now you're preoccupied by your fantasies. Right, and what does that do to make it be not just about you? So we start to prioritize the women on the screen over our wives and our children. The more I viewed and the more I got preoccupied and the more fantasies, Uh, that's the world I wanted to live in because I was getting my dopamine hit there. Mm -hmm. You're a lovely woman, but there's no way that you can meet that hit all the time. When I started viewing pornography, I supplanted that process and I replaced it with something else that could not be sustainable on a regular human basis. Right. So the second half of that is the nobody's getting hurt. 
as I was prioritizing the women on the screen over you and over my family because of my desire to go uh, create situations where I could go view, the truth is it hurts you. It hurts you because now you are a lower priority. I'm making situations happen now where I can go view. Yeah. And I actually didn't notice that so much earlier in our marriage, but over the last decade or so, I did feel like I wasn't a priority to you anymore. I could sense it. I didn't know what was going on. Right. I just knew that you weren't always present with me. I remember even the last couple of years before discovery, when I would talk to you, I would see your eyes glaze over. Right. You know, that was that was so heartbreaking because I knew that your mind was elsewhere and I didn't think about it being something like this. I just thought you were thinking about your ministry or work. And so that that was just hurtful that you didn't really pay attention to what I was saying. You were half listening. And when we went places together, I could tell you were distracted. And so I did feel that lack of priority from you. And when it gets down to it, when my eyes would glaze over, the certainty in that is that I was not with you. Right. The next thing to consider is that, Emily, you cannot meet the sexual expectations of what I have seen. It will be impossible for you to. And because you had taught me a couple of times through our marriage history before the whole picture was unfolded, and again, we addressed that in-house. We didn't seek help outside of our marriage to fix that. So now, as you're not able to meet those expectations, the damage that's occurring is that, as you explained to me and clarify for me in this, is that you don't feel like you're enough mm -hmm. and you're starting to have body image issues. Well, not starting. You know, I've had body image issues all my life. So yes, when I found out that you were viewing other women and looking at their naked bodies, of course, that was very devastating because I felt like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't sexy enough for you. So yeah, the revelation of pornography magnified my feeling of not being enough and not liking my body image. Let's touch a little bit on that. So when you expressed to me that you don't feel like you're enough in light of the truth of pornography use in my life, what do you mean by that? Well, like you were saying before, I couldn't meet your expectations because you had been seeing all kinds of things on the screen that either I didn't want to do or I felt like I was being used to give you the pleasure that you were seeking, right? And so I did feel often in our marriage that I was just being used as an object for your pleasure. Right. You know, that just feeds into that feeling of not being enough. On Discovery Day and Disclosure, when you revealed everything, and I knew you had been viewing pornography for your entire life and through our entire marriage consistently, and you had extramarital relationships, I really thought, okay, I'm not enough. There, there's no way I can be enough. And it's true. I can't be enough. But I was never intended to be that. That's right. I was never intended to fulfill all of your sexual fantasies. When you're looking at pornography, you're looking for you're looking for variety. You're looking for extraordinary. You know, you're looking for kinky. Whatever it is that you're looking at, I can't be expected to be all that. There's all kinds of different body types you're looking at. There's all kinds of different hair colors and, you know, facial features. And that's a whole lot of women. And I'm one woman, right. you know, so I cannot, I cannot be all of that for you. 
I can't meet those sexual expectations. And I can't even meet those emotional expectations, right? Right. Because it takes a lot of tender, loving care (laughs) to uh, be in a marriage where you're connecting with each other, right? That's right. And so when you are spending your time viewing these images and these videos, you're emotionally connecting with them and it's easy to get what you want. And when you're emotionally connecting with me, it's not so easy, is it? You have to actually talk with me. You have to actually flirt with me or we have to have foreplay. You know, in a sexual situation, in your mind, it was a lot of work. That's right. So it's so much easier just to go and do that on your own. Right. Get what you think you need sexually and emotionally. And that leads us to the next point, which is that the wife of a porn user feels betrayed. You know, I felt betrayed. I felt like you were bringing those women into our bed. Right. You were sharing our bed with them. That was a devastating feeling that you would choose other women over me. Right. So when you're saying bringing them into your bed, I'll just shine a little bit of a light on that. So when I have a head full of pornography, because I've been viewing a lot, and now I think that I want to be sexually relational with you, that I'm, I'm ready to be intimate with you, and I come to you with a head full of this pornography, and I want you to perform for me. So now I have brought pornography into our bed. I felt like you were actually bringing those women into yes. our bed because you're thinking about them when you're with me. Right. And so, yes, it's like I'm sharing you with them. Right. And I'm placing unrealistic expectations on you because what I've seen them do on screen, now I'm hoping that you will perform that way for me as well. It did give me a feeling that I was just trying to perform. And I thought that that would help in our sexual relationship. Right. And what it really just did is made me feel used. And what it did for you is just not teach you how to connect with me Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. In the shortest terms possible, why would you do that? Because I wanted to please you because I love you. Yeah. This is how we hurt our spouses. So while we were building this episode, we did come across a verse in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 1 through 4, that I'm going to read out of the message version that I felt fit really well here. Now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me at first. So this is Paul writing the Corinthians back after they had written him about some of the problems they're having in the church. So now he is writing this letter to address those questions. So he says, now getting down to the question that you asked in your letter to me, first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other whether in bed or out. Well, amen to that. I felt also that it was really kind of my duty to please you as a man because you have sexual needs, right? I didn't learn until in the last several years that women have sexual needs as well. And the man's are not more important than the woman's. And there should be that mutuality, as the Bible says. Yes. 
So the second point in nobody's getting hurt is that it hurts the people that we're viewing. When we're viewing them, we turn them into objects. The women, the men, they're dehumanized by us. We turn them into objects for our own pleasure, and we use them for entertainment. These are people, yes, and we should never treat people that way. People are not our entertainment. I've done a lot of research since all of this came into our lives. Again, more than you ever wanted to look into. Right. You know, I do support some groups who are fighting this industry. One of them is called Exodus Cry. I love this organization. They are fighting pornography and human trafficking, and they are making great headway. And they have produced some films and a lot of resources to educate people on what's really going on with the people who are in the industry. One of the main points that I took away from one of their podcasts that I listened to was that none of these women are free agents. They're all being pimped out. It doesn't matter if they are a college student or a high-class call girl. But they look so willing on the screen. They do, but it's all fake. They are being coerced. They are being threatened and abused. And it's just not a pretty picture. So the things that people who view porn are looking at is a complete and utter lie. The people on those screens are hurting. They're hurting humans. And by watching pornography, they are continuing to be hurt. Right. That's the law of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. The more we click, the more demand comes as a result. The demand for performers goes up. The demand for product goes up. And people are in that equation. Mm -hmm. We use words like performers and production, but we just need to put people into both of those words. Right. We've talked about how it hurts our spouse. We've also talked about how it hurts the people that we're viewing. But did you ever stop to think that we're hurting ourselves when we're doing this? We dehumanize ourselves when we start acting on impulse. Impulse is acting without thinking. When we act on impulse, we're no longer controlling our mind. Then we can be demoralized. We're going to start to compromise our moral convictions just so that we can continue to view. And that leads to what? Poor sexual training and control. Right. Short shooting is what Emily and I call it, and impotence. Mm -hmm. The clinical term is erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation. Masturbation becomes a regular habit along with regular pornography use. And the more that you do it, your mind is going to get trained for that short adventure. Your mind is not in the marathon. It's in the sprint. And it doesn't take long for habitual short shooting to become impotence. Okay, so moving on to the second lie. Pornography is not adultery. After all, I'm not having sex with them. Well, I just want to say this. The definition of adultery is sexual activity with someone other than our spouse. I pause for effect on purpose to let that set in. I didn't misstate that at all. And I'll say it again. Adultery is defined as sexual activity with someone other than our spouse. Remember, the people on the screen are people. They're not things. And when we are involved with pornography and we're masturbating to it, and we're releasing as a result of it, the truth is we are having a sexual experience with somebody that is not our spouse. So also there's a verse that goes with that, and many of us have heard it before. It's out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28 in the NIV version. It says, You have heard it said, 
that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Johnny, you knew that verse for many, many years, and you were still committing adultery. How did you reconcile that with what you were doing? Well, that's a good choice of word on the very end. I couldn't reconcile it. I compromised. I compromised my moral convictions, which I spoke of just a little bit earlier. See, I can understand that the Bible says that, but it's not what I wanted. And in order to get what I wanted, I had to compromise. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Line number three. Porn can be good for our marriage. It can even be stimulating to our sex life. The truth is, porn drives a wedge between spouses by virtue of the expectations created that cannot be maintained. Another truth is, the more we look, the more we want, and we're going to expect that from our wives. And then when they feel that they have to perform to our expectations and they can't, now you do have that wedge. You can see very easily where that wedge comes in. And the last lie that we'll talk about today is that I can stop at any time. I got this. I can manage it, and I can stop at any time. Well, that's the lie, but the truth is it's extremely hard to stop once we started. Few can do it, but most can't. It's the first cry for help that someone just might be an addict. Those are just four of the many lies we tell ourselves while trying to justify the use of pornography. So to recap all of the truths, number one is it's not just us and others are getting hurt. Number two, pornography is adultery. Number three, Porn is not good for our marriage. And number four, it's not easy to stop once we've gotten started. I'm really glad that we do have truths yes. to combat the lies that we tell ourselves or that Satan tells us. That's right. And I give Jesus all the glory because he is our truth. Yes. Second to being rigorously honest in my recovery, stating my truths has been paramount in coming out of porn addiction. Okay, Emily. This has been such a wonderful discussion, and I'm glad that we took the time today to talk about the effects of the lies of pornography in our lives. Yes, me too. Emily, would you close us in prayer for today? Yes, I'd love to. Heavenly Father, this topic is one that causes me and I'm sure others a lot of anger. Anger at the people who are being hurt by this industry not just the people in the industry, but those who are viewing and those families of those who are viewing. And Father, you see it all. You want to rescue everyone who wants to be rescued. And so I just praise you, first of all, that Johnny wanted to be rescued and that he surrendered to you so that you could pull him out of this pit that he had gotten himself into. I thank you that you gave me the empathy that was necessary for him to go on this journey of recovery. And Father, I just pray for all of those who are listening to us today that anyone who is struggling with pornography use, Father, I pray that you would throw them that lifeline and that they would grab onto it so that you can heal individuals and marriages with your mighty power and love. And we ask these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Emily. So with pornography being such a destructive force in our world today, we have some suggestions for you. First and foremost, get pornography out of your life. Yes. Second of all, get pornography out of your marriage. Absolutely. You cannot afford to have it in your life or in your marriage. 
So with the widespread use of pornography around the world that leads to the trafficking of human lives, you may be asking yourself, what could possibly be done to help this situation out? Well, we suggest that you take some time to educate yourself, because in our world where pornography is used for personal pleasure and entertainment, the result is ever-increasing human trafficking to meet the demand. Marriages are being destroyed and families are being torn apart. We cannot afford to be naive, uninformed, and indifferent about this issue. Thank you for listening in today, and we ask that you please join us next week as we take this discussion one step further and ask the question, is it possible that our spouse is a porn addict? So until next time, marriage is redeemed, hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer in our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.